And it's my privilege to welcome to preach this morning. Who listened uh, last week, uh, who's here on the podcast, to Kingdom of Heaven ser- uh, session one. Uh, it was fantastic. Pretty amazing setup for a five week series. So let's welcome Brendan to preach this morning. Fantastic. Thank you, guys. You can be seated. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be in church, isn't it? On a Sunday morning, we can look in the mirror of the Word and see ourselves and fix up what needs fixing. I don't know if you've ever gone out during the day without looking in the mirror and then you realise halfway through the day, oh, my hair looks stupid or I've got a big smear of something on my face and that's that's what coming around the Word is all about is we can look in the Word and it's like a reflection and we can see, okay, where do I need to adjust? Where can I clean myself up? A, uh, a New York divorce lawyer dies and arrives at the pearly gates and St. Peter's waiting for him there and uh, <clears throat> the lawyer says, I'd like to come in. St. Peter says, well, you're going to have to prove to us that you are worthy of coming in. So what, what have you done to merit entrance into heaven? The, the lawyer thinks for a moment. He says, ah... Uh, Well, last week I gave a quarter to a homeless person. So St. Peter looks to Gabriel and gives him a nod. Gabriel goes off and checks the record book. He nods back to St. Peter and says, yes, yes, he did. He did give a quarter to a homeless person. St. Peter says to the lawyer, well, there's not really enough to get into heaven. What what else have you done? The lawyer's thinking really hard now. He said, three years ago, I also gave a quarter to a homeless person. St. Peter looks at Gabriel. Gabriel nods, yep, he affirms it. St. Peter's umming and ahhing. He says to Gabriel, what do you think we should do with this guy? Gabriel gives this sidelong glance at the lawyer. And he says, let's give him his 50 cents back and tell him to go to hell. <laughs> It's a bad joke, but it's a good example of some of the world's warped ideas about heaven and the kingdom. The first thing is, heaven in this joke is reduced to a place we go when we die. And last week we discovered that the focus of the Bible is not on us going to heaven when we die, but rather heaven coming to earth while we're alive. And God is wanting to reunite heaven and earth, and we are part of this plan, which has been His plan from the beginning. The se- Thanks, Nathan. The second thing is that the lawyer is asked to list his good deeds as an entry exam. And when we come face to face with Jesus at the end of our lives, you had better hope that you've got more than your good deeds to get you in. Because if you think your good deeds are good enough, they're probably not. And the third thing is, Peter, Jesus' disciple, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, about all the pearly gates jokes. He's, he apparently, he has been appointed as an eternal, he's, got, he's, he's been an appointed, an, an eternal job as heaven's bouncer, basically, right? 
Peter is heaven's bouncer. Where does that come from? Funnily enough, I think it comes from Scripture. In Matthew 16, Jesus is asking his disciples who they think he is. And Peter speaks up and says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus tells him the Father in heaven revealed that to him. And in Matthew 16, verse 19, it says, and I will give you the king keys of the kingdom of heaven. So I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so this morning, my message is called The Kingdom of Heaven and the Keeper of Keys. This scripture indicates that actually Peter is the keeper of keys. He's the guy holding the keys to heaven. And so I think we've misinterpreted that to say, oh, okay, well, he's obviously heaven's bouncer. What a downer. I mean, Peter's the guy who has the bravery and the gall to stand up and say, I think you're the Messiah. And what's his reward in our mind? Well, you can wait outside heaven for eternity and do a job. What a terrible reward. (coughs) But I want to show us this morning what it really means to have the keys of the kingdom and and that it's actually not only Peter who has them, but all believers hold the keys to the kingdom. So what does it mean to hold the keys? Okay, so I've got my keys here. If I come and give these keys to Bailey, what is that? What does that mean? So I've given you my keys. I'm not lending them to you. I'm giving them to you. If somebody gave you a present and inside was keys, what would you think? It's a house. It's maybe a car. You wouldn't think, oh, thank you so much. You gave me a key. (laughs) And that's it. It's for something right? And so if I give Bailey my keys, I'm giving her access to my house. I'm giving her access to my car. I'm giving her access to my mailbox because that also has a a, a, a lock on it. I'm giving her access. She could come into my house whenever she wants. She could drive my car. I mean, she doesn't have a driver's license, so like God protect us all. But... She could. I mean, she's got access to two cars on there. You could, you could go to the ministry center. You could go uh, into my office. So, so when, God's, when Jesus says to Peter, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, it's pretty substantial. He's saying, I'm giving you access. I'm giving you the ability to unlock heaven on earth. He says, whatever you bind in heaven will be, a bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And Peter, it doesn't interpret this as like, oh, great, I get to be heaven's bouncer for eternity. Peter uses the keys we see later in Acts for extraordinary things. Peter is the man who goes around and heals many people. Peter raises a woman from the dead. Peter has a vision and praise be to Jesus means that now believers can eat pork and bacon and ham. Thank you, Father. So good. And all the vegetarians, no worries. All good. You can carry on doing that as well. Um, Peter preaches and unlocks heaven to 3,000 people. He also binds things on earth. 
I remember the story of Simon the magician comes to the apostles and says, I, oh, what is this power that you guys have? Because I'm a magician. And if I could use your power, I could make a ton of money from this. And Peter says, absolutely not. You will not receive the power and you will not enter the kingdom because your heart is in the wrong place. So let's just look quickly at the context in which God gives us the keys. So he first gives them, first promises them to Peter. And then in chapter 18, he uses the same language, which indicates that he's actually giving it to believers. In 18, verse 15 to 20, it says, If your brother or sister sins, that being brothers or sisters in the faith, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Has anyone got friends in the ATO? How do you treat them? (laughs) Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. So he's speaking to all believers. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He's giving them the keys to the kingdom. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything that they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Okay, so along with the keys to the kingdom, he gives us great power in prayer. He says if two of you agree... It's going to be done on earth in he- as it is in heaven. Whoa, that seems like a v- very dangerous ability or responsibility. He instructs us to deal kindly with sin in our community. He's saying, don't, don't go around talking to everybody else about how bad your brother is and how badly they've sinned against you. Go and talk to them personally. And if they're not repentant, then bring some others with you. Then bring it to those. So don't. Don't be slandering. And the purpose is that they would be rejoined. Okay, so two things are happening here. One is it's giving us great power. And the other is he's saying, regulate the power, right? You need to make sure you're binding and loosing the right things. Because with great power comes great responsibility. If Spider-Man's taught me anything, it's that. I remember I gave my keys once to Georgia uh, Matthews, she was uh, learning to drive at the time. I had a little old uh, Ford Laser Bomb, and I was like, "Sure, you can, you can use my car to learn to drive." So it was me in the back, and Ben was in the front passenger seat, and Georgia was uh, Georgia was driving. So she, get, she we, we were just doing one lap around the block, and I will never forget the third turn where it's like. It seems like such a no-brainer. You've, you've been driving with skilled drivers for so long, so you get so used to just, they can just turn. When the corner goes like that, they, they take the car like that. Unfortunately for us, Georgia kind of just did a 45-degree angle turn. Uh, <laughs> the corner was a 90-degree, and we were just heading straight for a stovey pole. And I'm thinking, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> she's learning to drive and I'm giving her the keys and Ben reaches over and does the rest of the turn for her. I said, we just missed the stoby pole. Okay, so what's the point in that? 
we are all learning to drive God's way. And we ha- the, there's incredible power in driving a car. You're basically getting yourself into an 800-kilogram weapon every time you go driving. And so we are all learning to drive, and we're learning to drive God's way. And sometimes we need the person sitting beside us to reach over and help us steer so we don't run the car into the Stobie pole. So there's great power and there's great responsibility. <coughs> so how shall, we, how shall we behave responsibly with the keys to the kingdom? Let's look at history and learn from other people's mistakes. Who, who used to hold the keys to the kingdom? Does anybody have an idea? <coughs> the key master. Let's look at Matthew chapter 23, verse 13. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he says this, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites. For you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves, and you don't let others enter either. The Pharisees had the keys. And Jesus is very much not happy with them. Because he, I know this because he continues for a whole chapter, which we don't have time to read, reprimanding the teachers of the religious law. And the crux of that chapter is this. Everything that they did was for show. They were concerned with outward appearances. They were concerned with their reputation. They were concerned with their status. They were concerned with their Instagram feed. They were concerned with, their, uh, with the way that they dressed, with what people thought of them, with the events that they were invited to, with who they got to sit with. They didn't have Instagram back in the first century, just in case any of you were confused. <coughs> Everything they did was for show. And so Jesus says, For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. And so they think that they're righteous, but because they think that they're righteous, They can't see the brokenness and the dirtiness of their hearts on the inside. When I I wash the dishes, is anyone anyone the dishwasher of the house? That's, there's like a, (laughs) we got a scoff from the front row. (laughs) You're not a dishwasher of this. There was like five hands. That means that the rest of you just don't wash your dishes. You've got the machines, but like I, that's the role, like you, but sometimes there's things you can't put in the dishwasher, right? Just put it in anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> when I'm washing a pot, right, I spend a lot of time on the inside. And then the, the outside is basically like it's a, it's a quick once over and it's done. The majority of the work washing a dish is on the inside. And so uh, what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees is, It's like you're looking at yourself and you're thinking the outside's clean, that means I'm clean. So that's like getting a pot, only washing the outside, the inside has still got caked burnt rice on the bottom with the risotto still around the outside and you put it back in the the cupboard. Like It's all good. It's clean because it's clean on the outside. And so It's like the Pharisees were looking at how much they earn, feeling proud. It's like they were looking at who they associate, feeling with proud, feeling proud. 
at the events that they were getting invited to, all those things, all their good words, the way that they pray. Jesus says, you are like a pot that has a shiny exterior stashed in the cupboard. Looks good from the outside, but on the inside, there's rotting food that stinks. Jesus wants to deal with our hearts because if he can shift our hearts, he wants to clean us from the inside out. He wants to address the deepest misgivings of our soul, the deepest things inside us that cause us to be dirty on the outside. He's, He's saying it's not enough to just pretend to be good. But on the inside, all of us have darkness, which needs to be dealt with. And he wants to deal with that darkness on the inside of our heart. And so Jesus concludes that the Pharisees had the keys. But in Matthew 21, 43, he says, I tell you, the kingdom of heaven will be taken away from you and given to a nation that will produce the proper fruit. And so he takes the keys away from the religious people who think that they are righteous and he gives it to somebody else. Who does he give the keys to the kingdom to? I know we said it was Peter and, and, and all believers. But when you look at the Gospels and you look at how Jesus went about his business, we see that the kinds of people that he interacts with are the people who are open to him. Why are they open to him? Because they have needs. <clears throat> we see him going to people who are brokenhearted people who have great sin in their past. We see him going to prostitutes and tax collectors, the lowest people in the society. And I think this is significant because if the Pharisees had had humble hearts, they wouldn't have had the keys taken from them. But because they didn't realize their need, Jesus took the keys and he gave it to those who recognized that they needed him. (coughs) Jesus demonstrated it like this. Have we got any children in the building? Let's, uh, who's the youngest person here? Asha. Asha, can you just come and just sit on the stage up here for me, please? <clears throat> How old are you, Asha? She's 13. Okay. Just, just sit down, just so people can look at you. <clears throat> And can I just ask the deacons to begin handing out what we've got for people? This is going to come a bit later, but all will become clear. Jesus demonstrated like this in in chapter 18, verse 1 to 5. It says, In that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They want to know, What is my status? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. That's you, Asher. You're the best representation of a child that we've got. Don't be offended. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child, Asher, are you humble? Sure. <laughs> So humble, absolutely. Anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. After reading that scripture, I would ask you, how do you interact with children? (laughs) 
Because Jesus says, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. He says, unless you become like little children, you become as humble as this little child, then, then you'll be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So, all the things that we typically associate with status in our society, basically children, they don't have them, right? Like, Asha, you don't have tons of money. You got the money that your grandparents have got, kind of, access to. You, you don't have a great career. You don't have... <laughs> this is not an Asha bashing session, okay? <laughs> But Jesus, Jesus pulls a child from the crowd and says, unless you become humble like this little child, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. So all the things that we think make us righteous in society. Oh, you know, I had a meeting. I got a photo with the prime minister. Does that, that makes me important, right? Or, or I get invited to a lot of important events. And when I'm invited, I'm actually sitting at the, in the place of honor. But Jesus is saying you have to become as humble as this little child. <laughs> Just funny that I keep calling Asher a little child. Just 13. But in, in many ways, you know, you rely on the older adults in your life. In the same way that Jesus is saying as a child, I need you to rely on me for you to put your faith in me, for you to humble yourself and not be thinking, I, I'm going to do it in myself. You know what, Dad, I'm moving out of home. Thank you, Ashley. You can take a seat. I was thinking about my son, James, recently. He's like 11 months old. And I'm thinking, he's got no idea about our mortgage payments. <laughs> he really doesn't. He's just, he's just sitting around in the house. He doesn't know what suburb we live in. He doesn't know whether that's upper class, middle class or lower class. He doesn't know how much his parents earn. He doesn't care. He just is. And he just relies on us fully. It's not like, God, Dad, how's the business going? You know, like he just, he doesn't ask because he doesn't know. Because he's fully reliant on us as his parents. And so Jesus, I think, here is doing this incredible thing of challenging all of the things which we seem to think make us important and he is calling us to reshape our view of ourselves. He's calling us to reshape our view of how, how do we see other people? How do we value other people? And, and how do we see God? Because the entrance exam to the kingdom of heaven seems to be quite different to the entrance exam to status in the world. And so he is calling us out to live differently. You all have been given a pen and a sticker. And so I'm going to ask you to write a few things down on that sticker. And some of them you might consider to be a little bit personal. So you can do the thing that we did in like school, you know, where you cover your work. This copyright. I put the copyright symbol on there. And so you just cover it up. I'm not going to, we're not going to collect these afterwards. That was, we're not going to collect these afterwards in case you missed that. I would like you to just trust me for a minute and, and write these things down. The first thing I want you to write is your annual salary. 
it can be a, it can be a guess. It can be a ballpark. You don't have to pull out your pay slips. Write your annual salary. The next thing I want you to write is the name of the friend or the relation that that you that last most recently died that you're connected to somebody you know who most recently died just write their first name if you don't have anyone that's fun the third thing i want you to write down is how important are you from on a scale of 0 to 10 you can interpret that question however you want to interpret it. You write down a number of how important do you think you are. And the last thing that I want you to write down is something that you think is wrong with the world. Could be sex trafficking, could be piracy, whether in ships or on the internet. Something you think that's wrong with the world. Okay, so what if I asked you to peel the sticker off the back and and stick it on your top so that after church on Sunday, that's today, when we're over in the ministry center having coffee, Everyone can see how much you earn. And everyone can see how important you think you are. Everyone can see the last person that you lost. Everyone can see what you think is wrong with the world. I'm not going to ask you to do that. But I think it's an interesting question to think about. Because I I think it's interesting to think about how, how would you feel if everybody knew those things? And there's no right or wrong answer, but you gotta ask yourself, would you feel proud of your, would you be like, check out how much I make every year? Or would you feel shame from like, look how little I make each year? I wanna read this scripture over over you and I, I I want you to just hold your piece of paper in your hand as I, Read Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus' words. It says, Now Jesus saw the crowds. He went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and began to teach them. I imagine that the disciples and the crowds were made up of all kinds of different people from all kinds of different backgrounds and walks of life, just like we are here this morning. And Jesus says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are you who, pe- when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in, ki- in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. <laughs> what do you think when you think of the word blessed? What does it mean for someone to be blessed? You're probably not thinking of poverty. Right? When you think blessed, do you think poor? No, you think the opposite. And yet, Jesus says, blessed are the poor. You say, yeah, but he actually said poor in spirit. That means that actual poor people are not blessed. But Luke 6.20 says, just blessed are the poor. How can the poor be blessed? I thought a blessed person would have lots of money and lots of good things. Matthew 19.23 says, Jesus said to the disciples, I tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, that's hard, for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Verse 25, then, then who in the world can be saved? The disciples asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but with God, everything is possible. And then verse 30, he says, but many who are the greatest now will be least important then, and those who seem least important now will be greatest then. But many who are first will be last and last and the last first. So, Do we need to be poor to enter the kingdom of heaven? No. I don't think so. Because how poor is poor enough? It's very hard to be poor in Australia. The government just keeps giving you money if you you hit a certain level. So what is he talking about? I think he's talking about the condition of the heart. And if we have all the things that we need and we look to ourselves to provide and we are self-righteous, it's hard to enter the kingdom of heaven because we don't see a need in ourselves. We say, God, I don't need you. And so we're looking to ourselves rather than to God. It's easier for a poor person to enter the kingdom of heaven, not because of their poverty, but because the poverty adjusts the position in their heart because they need God. And so... Our weakness, our lack, our failings, we don't need to be ashamed of those. We can wear them as a badge of honor because status in the kingdom works very differently to status in the world. Now, you may have a whole bunch of money and I don't think you should be ashamed of that either. Nathan spoke well this morning about being generous and being like a tap that it flows through. Some people have been given the gift of just being able to make a whole ton of money and good on you. But be aware and beware that there is danger that comes from comfort. Moses is talking to the Israelites just before they go into the promised land and he's talking to the next generation and says, remember the God who brought you out of Egypt, out of slavery, because you're going to go into a land that's going to be like honey, milk. You're going to have all your things. You're going to prosper and multiply. And that may cause you to forget the God who rescued you in the first place. And so in our wealth, we also need to remember the God is above all. And so we need to be prepared, like the rich man he was talking to, to 
what would God say if he said, I just want you to lay it all down? He's, Jesus said to that rich man, it's outrageous. He said, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and then come and follow me. Do I think that Jesus is commanding every person with wealth to give all of their money to the poor and live? No. But it's a question we should ask ourselves, what is more important to me? Is my salary more important? Is my status more important? Or am I looking to God for where I rank myself in society? So I'd like you to take your labels and your pens and in big letters over the top of whatever you've written, I would like all of us together to write this. Whether you've got a large annual salary or a low one, whether you had someone to mourn or you didn't, whether you think you're a 10 out of 10 important or zero, we're all going to write the same thing. I would like you to start with a big B. And next to the B, write an L. Next to the L, write an E. And then two S's. An E after that. And then a D. You and I are blessed. We are blessed because we can see that our Father in heaven loves us. And that above all else, we need Him. We need Him to work in our lives. Would you just stand with me here tonight, this morning? I'm not going to ask you to stand till night time. That would be a very long time. I'm going to ask the band to come. If we're going to be given the keys to heaven, that comes with great power, and with great power comes great responsibility. With that responsibility, you and I need to see people, see life, see God from His perspective, not from our own. And so I would love for you to just close your eyes here in the presence of God as we allow Him to do what Jesus is challenging us to do, which is to reshape and reconfigure the ways in which we often see people and the way in which we often see ourselves. Sometimes we look at our circumstances and we think, I don't have much, that means I must not be blessed. I think God wants to reconfigure our minds here this morning to say, thank you God for giving me the opportunity to fully rely on you. I would love for you to consider somebody in your life who would typically be considered of low status. Somebody that you have interacted with recently. Somebody that you know, maybe they're in your neighborhood or here in church. Maybe they're related to you in some way. And here in the presence of God, I would just love for you to open your heart to allow God to speak to you and to reshape the way that you see that person. For they are a child of the living God. They are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has a plan and a purpose for them.
if we take a kingdom perspective, maybe we need to shift the way that we see ourselves. I don't know what your position is this morning. I don't know how you see yourself. I'm not talking about being a downer on yourself. I'm not talking about saying, oh man, I'm just, man, I, I have to be humble. So I'm just the worst kind of person. That word meek, blessed are the meek. Today, it kind of means something different. It kind of means like weak, blessed are the weak. That's not the meaning of that word. You could describe that word to mean blessed are those who have weapons and the ability to use them, but choose to keep their swords sheathed at their side. So that's like saying, blessed are those who are strong, but choose to be merciful. Blessed are those who have much, but choose to be generous. Blessed are those who have the ability to put somebody else down, but choose to lift them up. So Father, every person that's under the sound of my voice, I pray that you would begin to reconfigure how we see ourselves as somebody who is blessed as somebody who has the keys to the kingdom of heaven, as someone who has the ability to lift people up. And God, we pray that you would help us to be loving to others, to be merciful to others, to be strong for others. Thank you, Lord. We've got five minutes left. I want to pray for some people. If you... If you work in children's ministry or you work with children in your workplace or you have regular interaction with children, would you just lift your hands to heaven right now? We want to pray for you. Father, as we are reconfiguring our viewpoint of people and status in your kingdom, we thank you, God, for every person here who has regular interaction with children. We thank you, God, that children are blessed in your kingdom, that they are lifted up. We thank you that their status is great and not low. And so we pray a blessing over every person who works with children, God. And we ask that you would give them a humble heart to listen, to pray, to care for. And we thank you that as your spirit is in them, your children too would know your presence, they would know your goodness, and they would know uh, what it is to live in relationship with a strong and heavenly Father. Thank you, God. We pray blessing and anointing over these people in Jesus' name. Let's pray for our children. If you have a child under 18, (laughs) oh, you can pray for your adult children. Lift your hands. Thank you, Father. God, we lift up our kids to you. We thank you, Lord, that you are upon them. We pray a blessing upon them. We thank you that your spirit is resting in them. Pray for joy, pray for peace, pray for love to reign in their hearts, in their minds, God. We pray protection around them. We, this is a left, an idea from left field, but uh, the, Father, we thank you for their uh, guardian angels that they would look over them. And if you want to uh, look up the theology of that, you can read through Matthew. Uh, Father, we thank you that you are watching over them. The angels are watching over them. We thank you that your presence is with them. We pray that you would help us to see them the way that you see them in Jesus' name.
maybe you're here this morning and you feel like you need to uh, repent from the way that maybe you've seen yourself or maybe you need to repent from the way that you have seen or treated others. And so I'm not going to ask you to... Actually, let's all lift our hands so that if you are somebody uh, who wants to repent, then you have your hands lifted and we're not singling you out. Father, here this morning, those who are determining to shift their hearts, I pray a great blessing upon them, God. I thank you, Father, that as they open their heart to your way, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. I thank you, Father, that they would experience great peace, great love, flushing and flowing into their heart. I thank you, Lord, that you are the God of a million chances. And I thank you that you are healing, restoring the brokenhearted so that we can live as good stewards of your kingdom. Thank you, Father. So good. So good. The last people that I, I want to pray for is if there could be somebody here where you don't actually know Jesus, you don't, you've never asked Him to come into your heart, you've never accepted Him as your King, if you like, we're talking about the kingdom. And so I'd love to pray a prayer with you to ask Him to come into your heart. And so I'm going to ask if that's you here this morning and you want to ask Jesus to come into your heart, maybe you've done it before and you need to do it again, maybe you've never done it before. While we're all here in the presence of God with our eyes closed, I'd love for you to just lift up your hands and we'll pray together. Thank you, God. Holy God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are given the keys to the kingdom as believers in your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray for every person here who has not yet joined your kingdom. We thank you that your Spirit is coming. Thank you for what you did on the cross. We thank you that you are healing broken hearts, that you are restoring lives in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Fantastic. Come on, let's give Brandon a hand this morning.